Hello friends and welcome to your Wednesday edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. And friends, just get sillier and sillier this season, doesn't it? Mark Heath, Stuart Watson here to break it all down for you. The young guns are both off. They're too excited about how things are progressing to work today. Um, Watson, you just told me uh, earlier today, however, before we get into the football, you've got quite a record of your own. You've never had a day off sick from work or school. This is something I find staggering, my friend, because as a child, one pulls sickies. That's what one does. Not you. That's correct, yeah. A, rec- a record I'm quite proud of, actually. I've mm. probably, probably to my detriment, have uh, continued to work when I shouldn't have done. I was very close in the latter stages of last week to uh, to ringing you with the with the, the poorly, poorly sick boy voice <laughs> over the phone. But um, I ploughed on. Uh, I think I'm coming out the other side of it now. I've had a high, high dosage of steroids and antibiotics and all sorts. Uh, and the football's dragging me through as well. Yeah. Even as a kid, you didn't. You never once went. Oh, I've got the sniffles. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll swing the lead, as it were. No, I didn't have much choice, to be honest. My, my no. kind of drummed into me as uh, from my parents. You, uh, yeah, you, you crack on. You get through it. I like it. Right in that spirit, then, Stu, let's crack on with what's going on on the pitch at, at Portman Road. And and as I say, it, it gets more and more ridiculous every time we record a show. It feels like I put it to you, Stu, that we seem to be living in some sort of movie alternate reality the only thing is if it was a movie it would kind of be too corny to be true because you've got the fabled famous old football club it's which town once champions of europe plunged into the third tier under the auspices of a in hollywood it would be an evil owner played by christopher walken and and the you know there'd be bits falling off the ground and He'd be rubbing his hands together as as the team slide down the league. And then they're rescued by American money. And before you know it, they're promoted. And then they don't stop there. They surge right to the top of the championship after 10 games. And after that latest win, the world's biggest pop star pops into the dressing room, having pulled a few points for fans first and has a bloody sing-along with the players. You'd watch that and you'd go, no, nah, mate, that'd never happen. But it is, Stuart. It's happening. What's going on? That would be the point in the script where you'd go, this is this is getting a bit silly now. Exactly. And yeah, it's yeah. provincial backwater just happens to have, have created probably the world's best-known musician <laughs> who um, who sponsors them for a laugh because he can. Yeah. And, he, yeah, he, he comes in, he pops in now and again and has a little sing-song in the dressing room. That would be the point where you go, ah, oh, this is getting a bit beyond believable now. Yeah. I was thinking who would be Kieran McKenna in that movie? I reckon that the boy uh Barry what's his name? The Irish act, young Irish actor was just in Top Boy. I can never pronounce his surname. Barry Gian or something. He's a yeah, he's a he's a hot he's a he's a fast rising young star. I was thinking mate, Colin Farrell's probably too old now to play Kieran McKenna. You need a you need a younger a younger man. But Stu, I mean we expected more of a game at Portman Road on, on Tuesday night. We we talked beforehand about how good Hull were. I'm beating in eight games, fifth in the table. Uh, another young, hungry, thrusting, analytical, intelligent manager in Liam Rossinia. But town dominated them. Yeah. Kick us won, off. <clears throat> won their last four games away from yeah. home. They'd won at Leicester. Um, Ipswich had just had a bit of a 
scrappy physical game in the rain at Huddersfield, which just tempered some expectations a little bit. Um, we were expecting a really tough test, tough challenge. People already going, oh, I'll tell you what, I'd take four points straight away this week if you offered me that from these next two. Um, and Ipswich just blew them away. Scintillating football. Um, I hoped that this would be the sort of game that plays right into their hands, a team that wants to go toe-to-toe, a team that has similar playing philosophies. Um, and so proved to be the case. I think Hull will get there under Liam Rosinha. He really impressed me, I have to say, in terms of his whole demeanour and the way he spoke after the game. Lots of similarities between him and Kieran McKenna. Uh, he's kind of one year into his project at Hull. Ipswich are, are two years down the track under Kieran McKenna and they just looked um, they just looked so well-drilled. The chemistry, the confidence... Um, what a night under the lights at Portman Road, and uh, we keep saying it. I just don't know where this is where this is going to peak. It's mad, isn't it? It's Barry. It's Barry Key, and I've just looked it up. Is the young Irish actor? He seems to be all over everything at the moment. Very, very good, uh, particularly in the Banshees of Inisherin. If uh, if you've not seen that, that's tremendous. I also thought, Stu, Ryan Reynolds, Mark Ashton, Ashton would like that. Yeah, he'd take that. Tom Hanks would have to be somewhere. Maybe it's Brett Johnson, the. Uh, the, the guy who is uh, just an all-round bloody nice nice guy. Um, he would be the, the hero with the money, played by Tom Hanks. Let's, let's hear, before I get too carried away with this, this movie. I mean, I don't think they'll be making a movie about a team that is top of the, champ- of the second tier after 10 games. Um, I think <laughs> the journey needs to continue a little bit more. Um, before we start getting to Hollywood blockbuster territory, but uh, I'm already writing the script, mate. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pitch it. I'm pitching it now. Um, the let's final hear... credits roll, and it's just like <laughs> it's and, yeah. and, and Ipswich were temporarily top after ten games. Roll credits. Yeah, yeah they finished eighth. <laughs> uh, there we go. Right, let's hear from uh, from Kieran McKenna. Enough of this nonsense. Let's get to the boss. She's going rather well, Kieran. Hmm. Yeah. Is that a question? <laughs> give, us, give us your thoughts on another memorable night for Town. Yeah, I think it was just that. It, you have to keep saying it, enjoy the moments. I thought that was a, it was a special performance, really. I thought that we spoke about it before the game. I felt like we had one in us. Um, we're nine games in now before tonight. You know, we're, we're fit. I think we're learning game by game. And uh, it's our first home game back in the Championship for a, for a night game. So... Um, I felt like I had the, the feeling of a really good performance in us and uh, yeah, I thought we delivered that. I liked, you know, so many things about us. I work on on the ball of course to, you know, play play through the pitch against a, a really good team. I work against the ball, discipline, organisation, um, aggression of our of our pressing, humility to defend in a block whenever we needed to, um, performance of the starters and impact of the subs and atmosphere in the crowd. It was a, a night to enjoy. It's Again, it's only it's only one night, it's one game, it's three points, but don't take away the fact that we should all, everyone associated with the club should uh, should enjoy tonight and maybe tomorrow before we start to think about another big game on Saturday. Right, where should we start with this one, Stu? Because there's so many talking points. Should we start, first of all, with the, the team, I guess, at the start before kickoff? Because there were a couple of surprises in it. Um, obviously, uh, Edmondson starting in place of Burgess and Harness coming into the lineup, but both played their parts well. Um, do you want to start by talking about them? We've got a picture here of 
big George in action. He he yeah. impressed by the sound of it. Yeah, I mean they all did. You don't you don't win that game in those sort of in that sort of manner without without everyone playing their part. Um it was a surprise to see Edmondson and Harness in the starting eleven. Rare mm. league starts for them. I think you're going back to April for the last time. Harness started a league game February for Edmondson. Um the assumption I think from everybody was that Cameron Burgess must be injured when he wasn't in the squad at all. Um when the team sheets came out, but afterwards Kieran McKenna said, no, it was just a tactical decision. Uh, and not only does he say that, it goes into the reasons why. One, we felt that he's a powerful runner, one of the most powerful runners in the league. And we thought that that would be best to deal with Liam Delap out on that side. And two, you know, he then talks about a right footer on the on the, the left side of the two centre-halves, opening up some different passing angles. That is the sort of level of detail that Kieran McKenna is going into. Also, just a reward both for Edmondson and Harness for their performances against Wolves in the Cup. Um, seven days earlier, Edmondson, I think we said after that one, looked like a player who got his mojo back after a mm. bit of a difficult period. And Harness obviously had got those hat-trick of assists. and. Um, as is so often the case, um, players are able to kind of slot so seamlessly into this system because tactically they're primed to to know their roles and mentally he keeps their hearts and minds even for long periods out of the team, even if there's moments when they're not even making the matchday squads, as was the case with Harness recently. He's just got full buy-in from all of these players and uh, it just means that um, he can make four changes like he did last night and it doesn't really seem to affect the team at all. Mm, we have that very audio you mentioned now, I believe. So shall we hear from Kieran McKenna? Um, about one minute 20 this clip, Stewie. So if you need to blow your nose, evacuate, whatever, feel free. Let's hear from Kieran on, on the changes in the squad and, and why they were made. Just four changes to side from the weekend against the whole side that haven't been losing too many games. Um, so how do you rate, rate that as a result for, for your team tonight? Well, certainly one of our best performances, there's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, I think the players coming in the team, that's you know such a credit to themselves and how they've trained. thought, yeah, Marcus and George probably being the two making the first starts in the league. I think they were both outstanding um, and reflects really well on how they've been training. But also, as I say, it reflects really well on the group. It reflects well on, you know, Sonny Aluko, who weren't in the squad and... Works well, Axel Twanzebi, who's still working, reflects really well on the whole group because you, you don't, you can't prepare to play matches if you have a group where um, everyone isn't buying into what we're doing. So um, I think when players step into the team, it's a big boost to them, but it's a big boost for the squad and reflection of the, the standards day to day, and of course a big um, reflection on the staff's work day to day to help help these players be ready to perform. So delighted for those two boys tonight, Brandon as well, coming into the to the team, um, building himself up again. So, yeah, I think that was one of the big positives tonight, the impact of those boys um, coming into the group and, and how that really reflects on, on everyone um, at the training ground uh, and the work going on day to day. Do you want to talk a little bit about the depth of the squad, Stu? Because coming into the season, I guess a lot of people were, were looking at town and obviously they were, in terms of pundits, tipping them to do well. The knocks against them were perhaps that they don't have the depth in the squad. They've got a very good starting eleven, 
but they weren't obviously they've not been able to stockpile the the depth of backup you see elsewhere in this division because they haven't had that level of investment and money and all that kind of stuff but we're seeing that the depth of the squad is 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 pretty deep yeah i think the wolves game last weekend kind of blew away any any doubts about that when you can make change the entire outfield 10 mm. and beat a premier league side um albeit with changes of their own was just a reminder that there is two players for every position um yeah we looked at the squad and thought is there enough championship experience in there it's always a bit of a gamble when you get some some premier league youngsters on loan um but they're all showing that you know they're ready to step up and, and contribute as well um that's the thing that gives me the, the biggest heart that this can be sustainable mm. because you could start a season really well if they were putting the same 11 out you know week in week out but suddenly you lose two three four players to injury suspension could it could it throw you off your stride a little bit but um yeah the way others have stepped in of late makes you think that they could maybe ride out some periods like that i mean there are still some players that they would miss badly sam morsey mm. we talked about was was quite badly missed at huddersfield i thought but um yeah, uh, when you can start changing like your two centre halves, you, you feel like that's a relationship that should be really bedded in. When you can start sort of rotating a centre half and it not really affecting you, um, that's that's quite heartening. Yeah, I want to talk about Marcus Harris a bit more later. Obviously, um, <clears throat> he scored last night as well. Shall we? Shall we start with the goals then? <clears throat> because the goals in the fir- in the first half, especially, were magnificent. In the words of. Liam Rose Senior. Uh, always important to start fast, and the town seemed to have a knack of doing that. And what a goal this was, Stewie, from Wes Burns. That's him absolutely hammering shit out of the ball on the way into the net. And a beautiful move. I mean, town play sexy football. Don't we? I mean, let's be honest. The, the second goal is obviously the one that's got all the, the plaudits and the headlines, and you're seeing shared around social media today. But the first goal was a great move as well. And, and Connor Chaplin's little dummy really made it. The kind of awareness that he's got Burns behind him. And to just leave it like that sets him up perfectly. Fantastic. Yeah, so Leif Davis assist for the crossfield pass, but Connor mm. Chaplin probably equally deserves one for that bit of uh, bit of play, as you say, the awareness to kind of duck out the way of the ball and, and let it come through to Wes Burns. And then it's a, a lovely touch and, and hammer finish is the word, isn't it? Absolutely laces that ball mm. uh, to arrow the ball beyond the goalkeeper. Um, five minutes in, as you say, Ipswich have, have got the knack of particularly at Portman Road, starting fast and setting the tone and setting the tempo. Um, big goal, that one. And it's, uh, you know, as we'll see with some of the other goals, they have evolved their playing style this season. Last year was all about dominating possession. Um, this year, it's more about moving through the thirds with purpose, fast. They progress the ball um, they get from front to back, not you know, not direct as in the traditional sense of the word, but it, they will play forwards where possible and get the mm. ball into areas where they can where they can hurt the opposition and do it quickly before they can get themselves set. And that was that was the case with both the first goal and uh, the second and the third as well. All right, second goal in Stewie. We we're kind of getting blasé and used to town scoring a, a wide variety of cracking goals obviously, from uh, the likes of Jack Taylor um, in the Carabao Cup to this sort of goal, which is a, a total football team goal. 
starts off with Hadke with the ball. And he, uh, I believe you referred to him sending two defenders to the shops, which I quite liked. Uh, and then it just progresses. And before you know it, Connor Chaplin's curled a delightful effort into that. And it's 2-0. What a goal. What a yeah. goal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is one where that was a kind of stop and give it a little bit of an applause before um, <laughs> before sort of ty- typing up the goal tweets and the, the blog updates and everything. Um, as you say, it all, it all starts from the goalkeeper who um, kept his place in goal. Vazklav Kladki, despite Christian Walton being fit again, he was on the bench. Um, but we keep talking about it. Vaz brings some different qualities to this team, most notably with his ability on the ball. Um, yeah, two two attackers closing him down. Very coolly turned turned them on the on the byline, played it out to the left, um, and then very quickly the balls kind of worked through the thirds. Marcus Harness again at the heart of it with a with a through ball through the middle of the pitch. Leif Davis again, who was a constant outlet down the left hand side, uh, rolling the ball inside with with utter precision, and then it's a it's a beauty of a curling finish from the edge of the box. <laughs> Look at this picture, just to illustrate that. This is a picture from Rossi, which shows the bend on the ball from Connor Chaplin. That's a great picture. The way that he's, he's shaped his body, he's hit the ball. You can see the curve on the ball as it heads into the uh, the top corner. And then we also saw, Stewie, this celebration. This is a picture from Warren Page. Now, clearly, some kind of golf-themed celebration. You've got Chaplin looking like he's lining up a putt. Wes Burns looking on clearly part of the celebration and George Hurst doing something with his hands. Um, we, as I said before, we don't really know exactly what's going on here. I wonder if it might be something to do with the Ryder cup controversy and walking across people's putting lines and stuff, but uh, know maybe I know, I know they're golfing <laughs> partners yeah. and they did the, they did some golf stuff last year, didn't they? I don't haven't got no idea what George Hurst is doing there with both elbows Kind of raised. We'll have to. We'll have to get to the bottom of that one. Um, yeah, yeah. But that just just shows. I mean, you can see in all of the celebrations, um, just the the unity and the togetherness and the spirit in this camp. It's not. It's not fake. It's not forced. It's it's real. You can tell when when a squad like this is kind of bonded, um, and that's what makes all of this great. You know, the winning is brilliant. The style of football is brilliant, but the thing I like most about all of this is is how relatable this this group is and how connected the fan base feels to them all. Um, that's that's the best thing about all of this. Shall we reflect before we move on to the the third and final goal and other bits and bobs from the game, Stu? Shall we reflect because you used uh, and Alex used as well uh, a previous game against Hull as an example of of how far we come in a short time and maybe. If you were to write a film, that'd be kind of a, a little part of it. The uh, <clears throat> the, the kind of, uh, what's the word? The nadir, the low point of uh, of many low points at Ipswich Town. That night, um, you have to remind me when it was, but when they lost 3-0 at home to Hull City under under Mick McCarthy, I think it was the fifth game in a row they'd failed to score at home. There were about yeah. 13,000 people there. Things were, were really, really bad. And you wrote, uh, about things starting to turn toxic. You'd be in the film, by the way, Stu. I reckon the one constant, the guy. I might get, if it was a documentary, I might get a little talking head roll in there. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, you never I'd know. Like see you in the film, mate. I really would. Okay. You'd be good. Well, as a journalist, absolutely. Yeah, you'd be okay. like the uh, you'd be the popular, plucky local journalist who just wants the best for the club. 
Mm. But it's for you know, he's writing these kind of things about how it's all going wrong. And then obviously you get lifted up and, and swept away with the, the tide of, of success. Yeah, there'd be a little montage where Paul Lambert is is telling me that I'm being yes, unbelievably exactly. negative and yeah. um <clears throat> you'd have Mick McCarthy throttling that water bottle. Yeah, maybe. Lambert um, accusing you of delusion and fabrication, all that sort of stuff. It's yeah, I mean, what's going on at the moment, it's impossible for me to not keep getting flashbacks to mm. a lot of these kind of low moments and um mm. you know, you, you go back to your own personal experiences. You I you fans always have certain nights that go I felt particularly low after this one that whole game is one that often comes up if you remember I think it was a 20-year low for an attendance at Portman Road 13,000 or so for a Tuesday night game Um, that was the night where the kind of whole apathetic vibe tipped over into anger at last Um, Mick McCarthy got his players in a in a huddle on the pitch afterwards and from what he said afterwards it was a kind of a siege mentality chat this is a kind of them versus this is us against the world now and the world included Ipswich's own fan base there was you know there was never more of a I've just talked about the bond between um fans and players uh that couldn't have been further from the truth and we're only talking five years ago now um there's just so many things that have changed uh, well the way that Kieran McKenna after the game talked so openly about the, the Burgess selection Reminded me of how much Paul Cook used to just flat out refuse to say anything about players being injured, which got ridiculous. Like I, I understand managers don't want to give show their hand ahead of games, but he just wouldn't give, wouldn't talk about players or anything, you know. But the, even if you knew they were not going to play at the weekend, so so much has changed, and we've got so many of these reference points from the not so distant past um, to call upon. But but last night, the fact it was three nil at home against Hull, a team they've lost 3-0 at home to a couple of times. Mm. They, they lost to them 3-0 at home in League One as well during sort of the COVID shutdown period with no fans there. Um, that felt like a sort of a, a moment to reflect on how far they'd come. All right, let's zoom forward then to last night again. So Town are 2-0 up, Stuart. Before we get to the killer third, I know you, there's, there's one guy you're particularly impressed with last night. You mentioned, well, you're impressed with everyone, but you, you singled out this guy for praise and so did Liam Rosinia. Um, and he's the guy who made the third goal, and that's this big guy, George Hurst, on one of his rampaging, barrelling runs last night. Um, strikers are so often judged on just one thing, and that's the amount of goals they score, right? And George Hurst, obviously, he scored a lot last season on the, on the way to promotion. This season, what has he got, two so far? So he's not started like his, his shorts are on fire. But in this team, the striker does so much more than just score goals and you, you can't judge them just on that can you see when you you're talking last night how impressed you were with Hurst yeah correct I think this team is is just set up for the striker to be the facilitator as much as the finisher um he probably feels that he, he could have had one or two more this season if he can become a ruthless clinical finisher on top of his all-round game mm. you can see why Kieran McKenna tracked him for so long why he feels that he's got a a gem in the making here um, because his all-round attributes are fantastic. He's big, but he's quick as well. There's not many players his height that have got the turn of pace that he's got. Um, He works his socks off. He constantly presses the goalkeeper. If you watch the amount of times he'll do a 40, 50-yard sprint just to charge the goalkeeper down and trigger the press, the way he kept the ball alive, 
um, for the third goal, running the left-hand channel. Um, and as Liam Rosinia said afterwards, he felt the difference between the two sides was the way that Hurst made the ball stick. When the ball came into him, he can back into people. He can he can he can hold it up. He can wait for reinforcements. Um, mm. Yeah, I thought George Hurst was uh, shouldn't go under the radar what he did last night. Okay, he didn't get on the on the score sheet, but um, he did he did a lot of uh, he talk about defending comes from the front. I thought he did did a lot of hard work for the team as he as he does most games. And he got an assist due for the third goal, which we come on to now. Is uh, oh Marcus Harness celebrates a nice pitch again from from Rossi uh, Harness in the team then hat-trick of assists last week and a goal this week. Do you want to talk a little bit about? What yeah. he brings to the side and how uh, we can say a lot of a lot of these players have um have almost sacrificed themselves for the, the team. But he's one of the top examples of that, isn't he? A guy who we said before has reason maybe to be kind of down and, and sulky. Um but whenever he, he's asked to contribute, he just gets on with it and he does and he plays a, a really important role. Yeah, I'll be honest, I thought he was one that might be might be heading towards the exit door mm. in, in the summer as Ipswich looked to add some some players for the championship, not one that's had huge amount of championship experience before, was his upper end of League One. His level, Nathan Broadhead had come in and replaced him. Ipswich have then subsequently gone out and bought other players that can play in his role. Amari Hutchinson, Dane Scarlett. He wasn't making the bench for a little while. Um but yeah, last night he comes into the team and was one of the top performers. Um, not only did he get the third goal, um, but he had a big hand in the first two as well. His all-round play just kept finding little pockets of space in between the lines. The amount of times he pulled out the uh, sort of chopped his marker back on on the inside and um, created himself uh, a bit of room was was fantastic. Um, and you could see how much it meant to him with those those celebrations. I'm sure there was a bit of um, relief that came out with that as well. Um, so, yeah, to go back to what we were saying earlier, the squad depth and the way he kind of keeps everybody ready and ready to sort of come in and contribute is, is quite something. Yeah, we actually, um, AJ had a chat, a good chat. He said uh, Sam Morsey was on particularly top form after the game last night, as I suppose he would be after a game like that. And he's just he's just been singing with, with Ed Sheeran in the dressing yeah. room as well. Um, so he was buzzing. But um, AJ asked him about Harness, uh, and this is what he had to say. And there with Marcus Harness, it's really great to see him getting the results. Yeah, it's brilliant because he works really hard. He's very unassuming. Um, he doesn't moan, doesn't put his head down. He's just really happy to be here. He's worked hard. Um, maybe a surprise inclusion today. I don't think many people, I don't think any of you guys predicted him to play tonight. Uh, did you? I thought he might. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. Um, no, but he's had to work hard for his opportunities, come in, played really well, got his goal, and now it gives the manager a selection dilemma moving forward. Yeah, I thought that was quite a big thing at the town where the manager has sometimes quite a set group of players that he starts, but. It's never a case of anyone on the fringes potentially looking in and getting frustrated. Everyone's just going to have to play part. Now you need that because you're never going to know your strongest team in August, September. It doesn't happen. It takes time and there's still time for players to break into the starting 11. Um, and then obviously like last season, the first half of the season, the team's heavily rotated because people are competing. And I remember seeing last season, actually, there was a game at the start of the season. I think it was Burton. When we played against them, the start of the season and then when we played against them again there was about eight different people in the starting 11 so it just goes to show really like because we're doing well and we're winning you think that's a team but it's not the case 
So it was great for him now to stake a real claim. I think he's got qualities which no one else has in the squad, which is really good as well. And I'm delighted for him to put in that sort of performance so we could put his hand up and say, look, Gaff, I'm ready to play. Uh, I'm calling bullshit on Phil Ham there. <laughs> <laughs> Claiming that he knew Harness was going to play. I, no, I can't. I, know. I don't think any more saying that pre-game, Phil. Um, um, I admire your, 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 your attempt, but um, that's BS. Uh, it's lovely to hear Morsi talk, though, Stu, because we've we've often talked about how this is a team in the in the mould of their manager, you know, calm, analytical, great communicator, and and Morsi seems to be the same sort of way, maybe slightly less calm, certainly when he's on the pitch, but he's got that kind of that vibe around him that you kind of you want to listen to him, and uh, he, he talks really well, he explains things, and um, I thought that was a, that was a nice a nice insight. Yeah, so often players are a reflection of their manager. Mm. Nine times out of ten, they come out and parrot what they've just heard from the manager in the dressing room, mainly probably because they're thinking, I've got to stay on party line and, and say mm. the right things to, to keep my place and whatnot. But um, I think they're learning that you can, there is levels to, to the openness. There's no need to be this closed shop and just stick to be, be scared and stick to the, the cliches and stuff like that. I think there was an added openness to last night because... They were all very giddy, yeah. I think, after after having Ed Sheeran in. It was quite funny seeing them, uh, even Kieran McKenna as well. They're used to being the kind of, um, you know, the heroes of the young kids and being yeah. put on a pedestal as footballers. But then they all went a little bit weak at the knees of seeing Ed Sheeran, I think. And, uh, you know, obviously a big win, fantastic performance. I think one of my favourite moments was Kieran McKenna as he left his press conference. Um, Marcus Nash, the press officer, said, oh, we're... we're uh, he said, oh, who, who are we sending in for a player, Kieran asked? He said, oh, Connor Chaplin. And uh, Kieran McKenna was just started uh, singing the Connor Chaplin song, just just humming it under his breath and singing it to himself as he wow. as he, as he almost skipped out of the room. He had, wow. uh, I think he enjoyed last night. I think they all did. And uh, yeah, Sam Sam Morsi as well, a little bit giddy. Um, you know, I, I noted he, he talked about sort of Hull had, Hull had tried to uh, beat us to a couple of our targets, mm. or it was well noted. Um, maybe things that he he might not have let slip normally, but um, yeah, they're all they're all on a massive high last night. It was good to see. Yeah, the, the other thing I like, obviously, the, the the footage in the dressing room was was uh, was great to see them all singing along. A Ed Ed wasn't singing, got to save the voice, and B, as you say, although as much as the players, he's kind of guys that I don't want to say used to, but are, you know, definitely idolized by fans and youngsters. And they're used to being stars, I guess, as much as they were kind of a little bit in awe of Ed Sheeran, Ed's, Ed seemed quite, quite shy as well. Didn't he kind of put his cap down over his face as if he was kind of embarrassed. They were all singing his song. And so it's like this, well, perfect to you is the right word for it. It's like this perfect kind of storm of, of really bloody likable, relatable, Nice people yeah. involved at the club. That's probably quite a nice reminder to the players, actually, yeah. to kind of be like, this is how people feel when they meet you. Mm. And, um, you know, this, this is a big deal. I know a lot of them have been waiting a long time when they sign. It's almost sort of said jokingly, oh, well, we get to meet Ed. And, um, you know, we'll, would Ed sing at my wedding and stuff like that? And, uh, you know, I think that was a big deal for them last night. And I think they knew beforehand that win, lose or draw, he was going to come in the, the dressing room afterwards. And I'm sure that provided a little bit of extra motivation. I'm all for it. I'm sure there'll be a, a little bit of a jealous element externally, mm. sort of people going, oh, they're getting a bit carried away, aren't they? Ten games in, uh, as I wrote in the piece this morning, it's the sort yeah. of thing that you could imagine 
uh, a certain Mr. Roy Keane taking a bit of a, a dim view on when it comes to sing songs um, and stuff like that. But um, I'm, I'm all for it because we, we trust this group now to, to stay humble, to keep their feet on the floor, to, to, uh, to get back on the training pitch and, and reset and go again. I can confirm, by the way, friends, that our, our friend, formerly of this parish, the Hutchman Andy Warren, I sent a message last night when I saw that that scene in the dressing room. Said, "You better have got a selfie with Ed." His reply: "That's not my style." I'm pleased to see him sticking to his principles, um, even when he's got the world's biggest pop star in the very same room. Hutchie does not do selfies, so there we go. Um, but before we put a, a bow on this game, Stewie, should we hear a bit more from from Giddy Sam Morsey just talking about the win? This may be. The audio actually you were just referring to. It simply says, and Ross has uploaded these, so thank you, Ross. Morsey on win. So let's just see what Sam has to say. Sam, that was a pretty emphatic way to win a game of football. Where do you make that one? Yeah, um, going into it, they're renowned as one of the best teams in the division. Um, and as we prepared for them, do a lot of things really well. Real possession-based style and good team. Recruited really well. Um, I think... It's widely known, beat us to a number of targets as well. So, uh, no, it was, it, was, um, it was always going to be a tough game, but I thought we was bang at it today. We was at a really high level. And, yeah, it was a really good performance from us. 3-0 possibly could have been more dominated every area of the pitch. So, a really good performance. Yeah, home games have been one where you've been scoring a lot, conceding quite a few as yeah. well. Must be, must be nice to have the positives of that one, but also now keeping a clean sheet. Yeah, definitely it's important and you can see them. They had a, a few really dangerous players who we had to keep quiet. Um, so that's something we want to improve as well. You can't rely on four or three games too often. You don't want to be conceding. Um, so yeah, delighted to get the clean sheet. Really good. I don't think they troubled our goal many times at all. But good to get the clean sheet. Really good structural performance. And um, yeah, I think this was us near our best really. And at times we... We ripped them apart. Who's he talking about there, Stuart? And he says that they hollered beaten town to signings. Uh, I would imagine it would be Jaden Philogene, yeah, who they signed on deadline day from Aston Villa, five mm -hmm. million pound signing. He looked, um, he had some lively moments in that. Ultimately, they dealt with him quite well, but I, I believe he was one that Ipswich were were looking at. Certainly, ticks all of the the. Kieran McKenna boxes of sort of young dynamics, someone that can develop, etc. Um, I would maybe Scott Twine might have been one yeah. in there. Their yeah. old foe, Scott Scott Twine, who came on. Uh, he's on loan from Burnley. He came on uh, in the second half, and he was. I was thinking, even at three 0 up, come on, see the clean sheet out now. Getting a bit greedy, but it'd been, uh, that was a big plus last night as well that uh, they got back to keeping clean sheets, as was mentioned in that audio there. And he, he shaped up over a couple of free kicks that um, that uh, one one flew just over, one went into the wall. But um, yeah, I think those are probably the two two players off the top of my head that he's referring to. We say it was a plus tube. I wanted a whole goal, obviously, because then I'd have I was I'd have cleaned up on the predictions. Yeah. I said three one. I got Wes Burns as the first goal scorer. I was I was pulling for a goal for Hull, a consolation at the end. But I'm getting I'm getting left well cut adrift at the bottom of the prediction table. Head start, mate. We know what you're doing. You're playing it cool, Trig. That's what you're doing. Um, should we wrap up? Put a bow on on the night, then, Stu, and move on to to other things. Is there anything else you want to mention? Uh, there is obviously one sad bit of news that came out of last night, which we can talk about if you'd like to. Now, with the the news that Lee Evans is uh, having surgery today, we we saw this picture of him from the weekend. Uh, in the injury again, head in hand there at Huddersfield. 
um, courtesy of, of Warren Page. And uh, KMAC confirmed last night MCL needs surgery. And, and we know this has been a, an issue for him for a while, knee injuries, but but now he's he's finally going under the knife. And it, it, I said before, it must be so demoralising for him to have these recurrent knee... I know, obviously, how depressing it is having a knee injury. And I've only had one. So to keep having to come back from it, and now he's got to go under the knife to get it sorted. Mm. He's looking, I'd imagine, at, what, a year maybe? Rehab, I'd imagine. Yeah, I don't know. He talked about it being a uh, quite a while that he's going to be mm. out off, off the back of this. Um, I had to look back through to see how many times it's happened. I think this is the fourth fourth setback with a knee injury yeah. for him since he's been an Ipswich Town player. Um, that's obviously not sustainable. I think in the past they've they've tried to see if it you know if they could rehab it and strengthen it, and um, it obviously keeps keeps happening. So they've gone down the surgery route now. Hopefully that will sort it out for him more permanently in the long run. Uh, he's 29 years of age. He's still got plenty of football mm. ahead of him, but um, I guess it does you know sadly call into sort of question um, his kind of longer term future at the club with. Um, you know, with his contract, which I think I'll have to double check while we're talking, is is up in the summer. Mm. Ipswich, um, you know, luckily Ipswich are, are well stocked in in central midfield with the options that they've got. But um, so, yeah, not not a disaster for the for the team in the grand scheme of things, but certainly um, you know, very very sad and frustrating for him. And um, you know, I hope whatever happens with Lee, people don't kind of forget his contribution in the first half of last season uh, on the way to promotion because he was for a while arguably the team's team's best player for a bit. Yeah, it's just that mental side of it for me. I mean, ACL, which is obviously what I had, that's 12 to 18 months recovery. And I MCL, I think, is slightly less severe because it's it's the, it's the it's the ligament that runs down the side of your knee as opposed to through it. But even so, that's, it's going to, again, be a challenge for him mentally to pick himself up and do all the rehab and get himself back to a point where he can play again. So fingers crossed uh, and best wishes Lee for a full recovery. Anything else to mention from, from last, last night, Stewie? Um, no yellow cards. Yeah. Is, which rare. is very rare for mm. across, across the board. It was a slightly bizarre incident involving Luke Wolfenden and uh, Coyle, one of their defenders having a bit of a, a wrestling match uh, at a corner that resulted in a good five minute delay. Well, Coyle got kind of seen to by the physios. Um, a suggestion that I think that he'd had a previous concussion from uh, going into the game, and they were they were taking a long old look at him. But the mm. fact that he kind of was off the pitch and then kind of shuffled back onto it, and that was a bit of a strange delay. And then he eventually got subbed off. But you know, obviously, hope he's okay. But that was a bit of a, a strange incident. Um, but yeah, no yellow cards, which uh, I quite like to see. Actually, the ref ref allowed the game to to flow really. Um, and it was obviously a very different type of game. It wasn't the same sort of scrappy challenges flying in match that we'd um, that we'd seen at Huddersfield. There was a, a lot more football being played. So, yeah, just all all in all, a really entertaining game to watch. Um, and the goal statistics from Ipswich now are ridiculous. <laughs> Sixteen games in a row, they've scored not once but at least twice at Portman Road. So we're getting two goals a game at Portman Road from Ipswich for a considerable period of time. Um, Bristol Rovers away, nil-nil Valentine's Day when we're all getting the wobbles and are they scoring enough goals? Kieran McKenna has always got a little glint in his eye when he, he does he never refers back specifically to that, but I know like last night he said, 
wasn't wasn't a million miles, you know, wasn't a million years ago that people were questioning whether we had enough goals in this team. And yeah. I, I know, I know, he's, he's he's making a little point about the reaction after that game and fair play because they've scored in every single match since twenty eight games in a row. They've yeah. scored at least once. That's, That's mad. That'd be another point in the montage for the film, Stu. We did a we did a podcast after that game entitled "Our Ipswich Town Good Enough." Um, <laughs> so there we go in our faces. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, and also we should make in terms of predictions. Obviously, we talked about um, me hot take top of the table. Definitely won that one. Also, someone pointed out last night. Rossi said that they would score mm-hmm. in every game this season, and that's looking pretty good. I mean, to be fair, if you go back and listen to it, he said they're scoring every game apart from the nil nils. But um, <laughs> if you remember, but that's looking pretty bloody good for young Rossi at the moment. Yeah, that would be the hottest of hot takes. If yeah. He pulls, if he pulls that one off, I think that might that might surpass your top of the table at some stage. Well, um, Alex and I struggling a bit more with ours. I think we both uh, talked about Dominic Ball or Wes Burns playing at right back or, or at some stage. That's um, right. You were very we, interested in the, in the right back spot. I don't know why. It was. It seemed to be a theme <laughs> at that stage of pre-season. I regret that. Oh, well. Don't win them all. Um, hopefully, Tam will win another one on Saturday, Stu. Should we move on? Mm. Preston North End, uh, a surprisingly good, at least thus far, Preston North End, because we saw Tam go there in, in pre-season. And um, I remember you both saying you weren't very impressed with Preston. thought they might struggle this season, but they've not struggled so far. Third in the table. They play tonight, a big game for them tonight. They're at Leicester City, obviously second in the table. Um, and then they come to Portman Road this weekend, Stu. Now, I know it's Wednesday afternoon, um, we've only just been waxing lyrical about what happened last night. But I know as the top, top pro that you are, you've already started looking at Preston. Um, so how are we feeling about this one and, and uh, what kind of storylines do you think we can look at going into it? Um, I'm very surprised by their start because I thought mm. they didn't look very good in pre-season at all. Ipswich went there and, and won 2-1, but quite comfortably popped them, played some football akin to last night. Um if you look back at the Connor Chaplin goal, I think it was from that game, very similar in terms of uh, the flowing move through the pitch. Um, Ryan Lowe, their manager afterwards, was just saying how much more um, sort of prepared Ipswich looked for the season than than his side had done. Um, but they're a, they're a well-established championship club that have finished mid-table for, for I think, eight years in a row now. Um and look like they'll be in that sort of position again. I'm not sure, looking at the underlying stats behind their start, that they'll maintain it necessarily. Mm. I might, I might be wrong, but um, we'll see how they get on tonight at Leicester. They lost four 0 at home to West Brom in their in their last game. Will Keane, who's you know formerly of this parish, has been their main goal getter. He got injured in the last international break, and I think they've probably missed him in in the last few games. Um, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm feeling reasonably positive about this game. Kieran McKenna's always already sort of talked about thinks it's going to be a different type of challenge. Reading between the lines, I think he thinks Preston are going to show a bit more respect than than Hull did, and maybe mm. come and be a bit more defensive and hard to beat, and offer some different challenges at the weekend. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see what they bring. But um, as we keep saying, it's it's about Ipswich do and. Um, nothing to fear at the moment with the way they're playing. Yeah, real litmus test, isn't it, for Preston tonight against against Leicester, especially coming off that heavy defeat at the weekend and then heading to to Suffolk. In terms of the team, Stewie, we saw Brandon Williams again last night. Do you think he's he's starting to edge ahead of Harry Clark? 
in that in that right back position? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm reluctant to sort of talking about sort of people being ahead of others yeah. in in the pecking order because I just think it will be um, horses for courses. Horses for courses. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say different drinks for different needs. I was going to go yeah. a bit, bit David Brent there. Um, <laughs> Brandon Williams was, I mean, we talked about sort of players coming into the team and taking their chance. We have to include Brandon Williams in that as well. Came mm. on for Harry Clark at halftime at Huddersfield, got the equaliser, uh, improved them defensively in, in that game. And he just seems to be growing game by game. Um, and they've just got serious competition there. You know, they've got, um, I don't know which way that will go, but Brandon, Brandon Williams, certainly, I, I would imagine did enough on Tuesday night to keep his place. But um, who knows what Kieran McKenna's kind of got up his sleeve. He'll, he'll have looked at, at Preston and um, decided what what players he thinks are, are best suited to it. Um, mm. they've, they've played the last two games without Nathan Broadhead, yeah. who's um, who was top goal scorer going into, into the week and uh, one, you know, one of, if not their best players. So uh, it just shows you. Uh, the options that are at his disposal. We still have, because we still got someone like, you know, we talked about George Edmondson coming in. We still got Axel Twanzebe to come in, yeah. into things probably after the international break. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm being intrigued to see what uh, what team is, is picked at the weekend. It's all going rather well, isn't it? I won't ask you for a prediction um, because clearly we don't know what will happen tonight for Preston. But um, I suspect that all of us will probably be predicting a win on Saturday. I just don't know exactly what score line. The other line, by the way, in terms of a senior post-game shoe, just, just reminded me, um, talking about playing Leicester, because Hull are the only side to have beaten Leicester, aren't they, this season? Leicester have won every other game they've played, apart from defeat to Hull. And he said, there was a line where he said, we tried to switch it uh, to man-to-man, like we did against Leicester after the first goal. And that worked against Leicester, but it didn't work against Ipswich, which I thought was quite telling given the fact that <clears throat> both Leicester and, and Ipswich are seem to be at the moment, anyway, the class of the league and, and Leicester play out from the back, very similar to uh, to town, at least they have been doing. Um, mm. So that was quite interesting, I thought, in yeah. terms of comparison. <clears throat> yeah, I think goals, you know, keeps the old cliche about goals change games, but I think, mm. you know, it's uh, when you take a 1-0 lead, it, it changes kind of, it changes the dynamic of the game. We saw it at Huddersfield, if Ipswich had got that first goal, it would have been a completely different story, but... Mm. Huddersfield get it and it changes things around a little bit so um, you can't read massively into that but um, yeah it's uh, we're 10 games in now and you talk about quite often you hear managers talk about the table take shape after 10 games this 25 points is a, is a record points tally for a, a newly promoted championship club at this stage it surpasses what Southampton did back in 2010 2011 when Lalana and Ricky Lambert and co um, made it back-to-back promotions to the Premier League. Uh, is that a bit of an omen? I think only two clubs in Championship history, full stop, newly promoted or otherwise, have ever had this many points on the board. Um, it's it's um, it's pinch yourself stuff, isn't it? It's it's quite remarkable. Yeah, and and the more and more that that Boxing Day game, it's which Leicester. Looks like a Christmas cracker, doesn't it? What game that could be if things continue in this fashion. Uh, right, Stu, let's wrap things up then, because I know we, we've got places to be, you've got things to do. Uh, anything else to mention on, on today's two-man, bit shorter Kings of Anglia podcast? Um, no, I don't think so. Just uh, just keep, in, keep enjoying the rides and uh, soaking it all in, because uh, 
yeah, and just keep reminding ourselves of how, how far we've come and try not to get sort of too caught up in, oh, I, I'm not allowed to get too carried away because it all might come crashing down at some point. No, enjoy it. Enjoy it. What's the point otherwise? Where would the film finish, you? We said they're not going to they're not going to make the film after ten games. Where would the film ideally finish? Would it would it finish with promotion back to the Premier League? Would it would it? I mean, that would. <laughs> where is the where is the the top of the mountain? Realistically, who knows? Yeah, I think I think for the film to be made, it would have to have have a promotion in there, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, it would. But let's who yeah. Knows? Let's, get too carried away just yet. I've just said all of that, haven't I? <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't want people to clip this up and uh, think that we're getting all crowing a little bit and people across the border going they're getting a bit bit above their station and stuff like that. Um you gotta but... enjoy it though. Good lord. If you can't enjoy this, what can you enjoy? Exactly. Um, the kind of journey that Ipswich Town have been on and the kind of crazy things that are happening. I hope you're enjoying it, friends. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, just me and Stewie today. Normal service will be resumed next week after the weekend, obviously into international break. Just a reminder, please support our sponsors. Use the code carry at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on all that excellent stuff there. And also support Ginger Pickle, our other sponsor. If you need help with your SEO, your digital advertising, your Google ranking, contact Tony Southgate and the chaps at Ginger Pickle because they know a lot about it, a lot more than I do, certainly. So get in touch with them. Uh, friends, also, if you could, leave us a five-star review on iTunes just to help lift our visibility in the charts. We've not had one of those for a while. It just helps more people find us and join the team. Right then, friends, the story continues. It gets madder and madder every time we speak. Ipswich Town are currently top of the table. They've just tonked Hull. And Ed Sheeran has a bloody good sing-along in the dressing room after the game. His song is called Perfect, and there's no better way to end really because that truly was perfect have a great weekend friends and we'll speak to you next time